Let's listen for a minute to the word of the Lord as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they, they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, he is the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, they appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord himself has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it. They were amazed. They were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things. She pondered them in their heart. But the shepherds, they returned they went back to their field glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were exactly as they had been told. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you this morning that we are together in this space. We thank you for the joy of worship as we enter your story today. We just pray that these words, they may wash over us, that we may be filled with your spirit and changed, not by who we are, Lord, but by who you are. We give thanks and praise to you today. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome again once to worship. Welcome once again to worship for those of you here in the room online and of course our friends at Butterfield. I want to give you an especially warm welcome this morning. You know, it's always a joy and a privilege to be here with you in worship, but I have to say there is something especially just warm and special and inviting about being together during the Advent season about worshiping together. And this morning we saw the gift of joy represented in the Advent candle on this third Sunday of Advent as we celebrate together the joy that we see so beautifully wrapped through the scripture passage I just read. And so this morning, we're going to take a minute together. We are going to take a minute. We are going to dwell on that gift. We are going to dwell on joy together. And we're going to do that to help us a little bit. We're going to do that by continuing to follow this sermon series that is inviting us to take a deeper step into the real story of Christmas, to ignite our imaginations a little bit by pairing a movie <clears throat> with 
the story that we read in the scripture. And I have to ask you this morning, as you think about talking about joy, what movie immediately conjures up for you that we might be talking about this morning? I think our graphics might be giving it away a little bit. Can you guess it? Elf, that's right. Because what character exudes more joy than Will Ferrell, come on, as Buddy the Elf. Can you picture anybody else? And so this morning, before we return back to the scripture, we're gonna do something fun. We're gonna raise the temperature of joy right here in this room. Are you guys game if we take a little elf quiz this morning? I wanna see what my audience knows about this movie. All right, so here we go, and I need you to just kind of participate and shout out the answers when you know them, all right? You can have a little family competition. So here we go. Question number one. If you're just kind of a jerk at Christmas, all right, this just happened to me yesterday. I was in that little shopping center by Nordstrom Rack, and it was packed with people, and I was trying to drive through the parking lot, and some guy comes up in a pickup truck, and like he just wants to run everybody over. If you are just kind of that person at Christmas, you might be called a cotton-headed nitty muggins. There you go, that's question number nine, well done. All right, now we all know, of course, that elves have four major food groups. Let's see if we can name them together. I'm gonna give you the first one, this is easy. The first one's candy. All right, the second one, let's see, candy. Oh, okay, you got the order wrong, but I'll give that to you, candy corn. Okay, but we're gonna say candy canes. The next one is candy. And then everybody knows what you put on your pile of spaghetti. Sarah, oh, the kids are in the room. I love that. They're giving us some joy. That's awesome. All right. Now, if you dress up as Santa and you show up somewhere and you're actually not Santa, someone may look at you and tell you that you sit on a throne of lies. Tim Couture, thank you for that answer. Well done. All right, now when Buddy the Elf, when he leaves the North Pole in search of his father, and he travels through, all right, this might be a little hard. I might have made this too hard. I'm not sure. We're going to see. He travels through the seven levels of the three words, candy cane forest. There you go. Through the sea of the swirly, twirly gumdrops. There you go. And then this one might be hard. And then he walks through the... Lincoln Tunnel. Man, you guys are smart. You know your Christmas movies. I love this. All right. Now, if you are an elf, there are three things that you live by. It is the code of elves. We're going to do this one all together. We can say them out together. Number one, treat every day like Christmas. Number two, there's room for everyone on the nice list. You have to say it like that. And number three, the best way to spread Christmas cheer, you know it, is singing loud for all to hear. Well done, give yourselves a round of applause, love it. So friends, let me ask you this morning, what brings you joy at Christmas? What brings you joy at Christmas? You know, when I think of that answer for myself, I can't help but go back to when I was a kid. And I I think of Christmas mornings because I was the youngest of four. And so inevitably, I was the first one to wake up on Christmas morning. And it was always my job to wake up my brothers and my sisters. 
And I would wake them up and then we would go into my parents' room and we would pile on my mom and dad's bed because the rule in our house was we couldn't go downstairs until dad went downstairs first and turned on all the lights and got his pot of coffee going. And so as kids, we would sit on the bed upstairs just in complete agony and torture waiting for my dad to say it was okay to come. And I think the thing that made it even worse, or maybe even better, is that when Santa came to our house, he didn't wrap the presents under the tree. So my siblings and I, we knew when we came down the stairs and we turned the corner and we turned another corner and we went into the living room where the tree was, our gifts were just gonna be there, waiting for us in plain sight. And my parents would sit back and watch. And as we experienced the unparalleled joy of receiving the gift, my parents would just sit back and settle in and soak in, and joy would bubble up inside of them, watching their children receive their gifts. Friends, this is the beautiful thing about Advent. It's the joy we see in the story of the shepherds, this combination, this beautiful and horrible and agonizing combination of waiting and waiting and waiting, and then the joy that comes when the thing that you have been waiting for, the hope, becomes a reality. It's the kind of anticipation that a remnant of people of God were waiting for for more than four centuries as they waited and believed that the promises of God would be fulfilled. Now I know Dan spent some time last week painting this picture in our scripture of what it might have been like for those shepherds to be waiting in the fields to be waiting in the fields as they watch their flocks on a dark and starry night. But I'd, I'd like you this morning, because we're taking a deeper step into the story, we're using our imaginations, I would like you this morning to go back to that scene with me, because I don't want it to just be words on a page that we read over because we think we know it. I want us to really take hold this morning of the gift of joy the promise that God has waiting for each and every one of us. It's this gift that we get to see played out on this tiny but dramatic and glorious scene. When through the dark canvas of the sky comes the brightest light that the shepherds have ever seen. They could not mistake it for anything else because appearing before them was an angel of the Lord. Now, we see angels throughout the biblical narrative. This has happened before. In fact, this is the third time that we see an angel of the Lord appear to someone just in the Gospel of Luke. It's a messenger from God himself. We see that the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, foreshadowing the birth of his own son, John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for the Lord. And then we see the angel of the Lord come to a young teenage girl, the Virgin Mary, and declare that she would be pregnant with child, the son of the Most High, whose kingdom 
there would never be an end. And so this time, the messenger, the angel of the Lord, comes to these shepherds, to these people in society that no one else is paying attention to, that are on the margins, and the messenger comes with all the glory of heaven shining around him. And as we can imagine, the first response of the shepherds, what is it? They were afraid. They were terrified, but the angel The angel is so quick, just like the angel says to others and it says to others throughout the narrative of scripture, do not be afraid. Fear not because I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to cause great joy and not the kind of joy that is based on our circumstances, not the kind of joy that's just about emotion or happiness, but the kind of overwhelming, filling contentment that comes regardless of the darkness of night. And you know what, it's for all the people. It's for every single one who would have the courage to come down the stairs and see the gift that is waiting underneath the tree. And the angel says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. This is the chosen and anointed one who has come to rescue you, who has come to deliver his people. And by the way, he is God himself in the flesh. And then God does something really cool. And at first I thought, you know what, maybe God was just doing it for dramatic effect or maybe God was just showing off because he sends the heavenly hosts, the celestial beings, this choir of angels to help proclaim this good news of joy. And I thought, God, you are just showing off. And then I learned this week that A baby boy, when a baby boy was born in Jewish culture, it was customary for local musicians to come to the house and just to play music as a way to welcome the child into the community. But because Jesus was born in a manger, Mary and Joseph were not in their own home. There was no such opportunity. And so scripture says that the heavenly hosts proclaim glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What a picture of joy from the Father as a way to announce the coming of his Son. And immediately the shepherds recognize the gift. They know exactly what it is. And so they listen and they go to Bethlehem. And they go and they see this thing that has happened, which God himself has told them about. Can you imagine it? Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you experience, can you feel the joy rising as they started to make their way to see this thing that God has promised them? I want you to hold on to that because we're gonna come back to that in just a minute. I love that Dan set up so beautifully last week that the reason that we're picking these movies And coupling them with a piece of the gospel narrative is because we don't just want to be fun or be silly, although that's kind of fun to be a little bit silly sometimes in church, but we want these movies to be a portal. We want to be a portal so that it triggers your heart and your mind so that next time you watch it, you're reminded of the truths of God. You're taking a deeper step into the story that God has written for each and every one of us. And who would have known that we can actually do this? We can find it in the story of Elf. 
The beginning of the story, Papa Elf starts out and he, he narrates the story. And he starts out and he says, no human had ever set foot in Santa's workshop until about 30 years ago. Now there's some irony in that we're not gonna unpack, but for those of you who have been around church for a little bit, why, I just want you to think about that for a minute. But he goes on to share the story and he says, you know, one day on Christmas Eve, there was an orphaned baby. And the orphan baby crawls into Santa's bag and ends up back at the North Pole. And to the shock of everyone working in Santa's workshop, the baby crawls out of the bag and the elves and Santa are all blown away when they discover him. And they don't know what to do with him, but they decide that they're going to raise this baby as their own. And so they name him Buddy. And Buddy grows up not knowing any different, that there was anything different about him than any other of the elves until one day, Buddy overhears something and he makes this mind-blowing discovery that actually he's not an elf at all. Instead, he's actually human. And initially, it sends him into this tailspin because all of a sudden he realizes the thing that he thought he was, his whole identity, his whole life is no longer true. And so it just kind of comes crumbling down around him. And then just as this is happening, Papa Elf drops a bombshell on him, something that is the worst news that maybe an elf could ever hear. He says, buddy, there's actually more. He says, your dad... Your dad, I'm actually not your dad. Your dad is this cranky, work-obsessed book editor in New York City. And buddy, I have to tell you, he's on the naughty list. And buddy just can't, can't even imagine. And then Papa Elf says this. He says, it's okay, buddy. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Because some people lose sight of what's important in life but it doesn't mean they can't find their way back home again. I don't know who needs to hear that today. It doesn't mean you can't find your way back home again. All you need is a little Christmas spirit. And I will say all you need is a little bit of the joy that the shepherds experienced in the promises of God. And so Buddy, he goes and he leaves his bright and shiny and perfect life in the North Pole and he goes on a long and difficult journey through the seven layers of the candy cane forest and the swirly turly gumdrops and walks through the Lincoln Tunnel. And he goes, he leaves it all behind in search of someone he loves. And when he arrives, he encounters a world that doesn't believe he is who he says he is because he doesn't come the way they thought he should come and he doesn't look the way they think he should look and he's making this outrageous claim about who he is. And at first, everyone he encounters that he's so excited to see, he's so filled with joy to meet these people and they all put their hand up and they reject him. Until through the course of the story that we see there is just something so true and so good and so pure about who a buddy is that they can't help but at first at least be curious. And then as they experience more of buddy, they are more drawn to him because he exudes this joy that is so countercultural. It's like anything, that, unlike anything the world has ever seen. It's for all the people, it's for every single person that he encounters and it's so consistent and he's so faithful from scene to scene. 
It permeates everything he does and it transforms everyone he meets right through to the very end of the story when all those people that used to be on the naughty list, those people who stopped believing in the hope and joy and maybe that the promises that they thought would come in their life, maybe they actually never came, they start to believe again. They find their way back home and they actually are the ones leading the charge to sing loud for all to hear. Now, if we take this back to the story of the shepherds, there are just so many parallels between the joy of Buddy the Elf and the joy that the shepherds experience, especially at the end of the story after they see the gift they have been waiting for. The scripture says this, when they had seen him, when they had seen the Christ child, they spread the word concerning what God had told them. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up these things in the heart. But what did the shepherds do? They returned. They went back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They were in love. They were in love, and they didn't care who knew. They wanted everyone to know. And you know, as I think about this story and I sit with the joy and I dwell on what the shepherds experienced and on what Buddy experienced in the story of Elf, I'm thinking, you know, maybe some of us are in the space today where we need to be reminded of the joy of Christmas. And I don't mean the joy of Christmas, the gifts and the food and the shopping. I mean the joy of Christmas that comes from knowing the savior of the world, from knowing Jesus Christ, the kind of joy that's not based on circumstances or emotions or is not defined by the darkness of night, but is grounded in the bright light of the promises of God. We need to watch the scene in Elf when Buddy finds out Santa's coming and he says, Santa, I know him. We need to be reminded of that kind of joy. Maybe some of us are in a space today where we need to experience the joy of salvation for the very first time. Maybe there's something that has been holding us back. Maybe we don't know what it is. Maybe we've believed that we're on the naughty list and it's just too bad and we can't find our way back. But God, he's been trying to get our attention. He's been sending his messengers left and right. Maybe he sent a choir of angels to get it through your head that the gift that you have been waiting for it is right here. All you need to do is leave your field and go see the thing that God has promised you. Maybe some of us today need to just be reminded not to be a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <laughs> Maybe some of us need to be reminded that when Jesus came, he changed the people he came to. He was filled with kindness and compassion and joy and humility, and some of us need to just recapture that. We need to recapture a childlike faith that Jesus came to proclaim in the Gospels. We just need to be transformed ourselves by the joy and the hope that Jesus brings. I don't know what space you may find yourself in today, but I would imagine that maybe at least one of those things resonates with you. Hold on to it this morning. 
You know, I had originally planned to go deeper into some of those things, and actually my colleague Steve Noble was preaching over in our sanctuary this morning, and I was gonna steal his old sermon script because it's so good. I would encourage you to listen to what he has to say this morning, but then Dan sent me an email this week that pointed me to a documentary on Netflix about the making of Elf. And I believe the actual title of the documentary is called The Movies That Made Us. And in the documentary, they interview the guy who wrote the story of Elf. He's a guy by the name of David Berenbaum, and he starts to share the story of what motivated him to write the story. And he starts out by saying, well, he just loved Christmas, which was ironic, he was Jewish, <laughs> but he loved Christmas, he loved celebrating it. One of the favorite, his favorite things to do was to watch Christmas movies, and so he would watch them over and over and over again, and one day he decided to leave his home and go out to California and try to make it in the movie industry. And out there it was warm and he was missing at Christmas time the, the warmth of Christmas and so he decided he's gonna watch movies over and over again and so he got inspired by Rudolph. And he shares this story and he's sharing why and then all of a sudden he peels back another layer. He takes us deeper into the story. He gives us the real reason he wrote this movie and he says when he was a young kid he lost his dad. And it was a hard thing for him. He never really got over the grief and the loss. And so he says that in writing this story, he tapped into something more than comedy, more than a heartfelt movie, more than even Christmas itself, because he says the entire movie, and these are his words, the entire movie is about the emotional drive of the search for the father. The emotional drive of the search for the father. And I thought I will never watch this movie again without thinking of the shepherds, how they left their fields on this emotional drive for the search for the father, for genuine relationship with him. And when they got there and experienced the joy and the hope that all of their anticipation and longing and waiting led to, it changed their lives and it changed the world because they told everybody they knew about the hope they had experienced. And then the documentary got even better because the producers went on to say that their hope for the movie, and again I quote, is that the light and love found in the joy of the story will make a little dent in the darkness of the world. Friends, here is the real story of Christmas about which you can have joy today. In the beginning of the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that light, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming to the world. The word, he became flesh. And he made his dwelling with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father and he was full of grace and of truth. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard the angels proclaimed it, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, we have touched it with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that appeared. 
and appeared as a baby in a manger. We have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father. And now it has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and what we have heard, we proclaim it so that you too may have fellowship with us. And in our fellowship is with the Father and is with the Son and Jesus Christ. We make this to make what? Why do we tell other people? To make our joy complete. Because he has saved us. And he called us to a holy life, not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but now it has been revealed. We wait no more. Through the appearing of our Savior, the appearing of Christ Jesus, who now has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, because my friends, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born, and he is Christ the Lord. You pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this good news. We thank you for the joy that we can experience because you are a God of the promise. You are a God who does exactly what he says he will do. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every person here this morning that we would be reminded of your promise. Lord, that we would be reminded of your joy, the joy of our salvation, the joy of knowing you. Lord, and for those of us who need to be reminded of that in the darkness this morning, I pray that your light and your love, Lord, it would pierce through all and that we would experience your joy once again. Lord, may we be changed by who you are. It's in the name of Jesus I do pray. Amen.